as usual, it's awesome that we're a body. And um, regardless of what we accomplish, this, that, or the other thing, have we loved? That, that becomes the question. And um, I'm proud of you all for your love well. Through the good and the bad, thick and the thin. If you saw my comfort texts, any of the comfort texts this week, um, I've been really going after um, this issue of destiny and purpose, how unique it is that as believers, a large part of what we embrace that the unbeliever doesn't is that there is a destiny and a design and a purpose for our lives. That's a big deal because they don't believe that. But you do believe that. And if you're a believer, don't apologize for believing that. We've come to acknowledge and we have all these promises and scriptures and I was sharing those for a while that establishes this that he has plans for us plans of welfare not calamity he has purpose he has destiny he created us for a purpose he sends his word for the purpose of of bringing forth what it was sent to bring forth it doesn't return back to him uh, void without accomplishing that thing and that purpose. And so as we <clears throat> preach and we come under speaking in your pre, anytime you're under that an anointed um, rhetoric and, and speaking the word, you're, you're preaching and there, it's that that faith comes. When you speak a word out of revelation to another person, faith, faith comes. Faith is there in the room. You can you can bring faith, and um, th this it, it matters and it's tangible. I've been going through the book of Hebrews and and faith, and we've come to verse uh, thirty. Hebrews eleven verse thirty. Faith pulled down Jericho's walls. After the people marched around them for seven days, faith provided a way of escape for Rahab the prostitute, avoiding the destruction of the unbelievers because she received the Hebrew spies in peace. So um, I'm going to spend some time today talking about Rahab the harlot. Doesn't that sound like a great message? It actually is an amazing story. And even greater than at first look, she entered in through that act of hiding the spies that came in to spy out Jericho because they were going to take the city down. She switched sides. She committed treason to her own Jerichoanites or whatever they were to come over to the Lord's side, negotiated a deal. She ends up not only in the book of Hebrews 11, 
That's, that's the big chapter to get your name in. She shows up in another very unique place in the beginning of the book of Matthew in the genealogies of Jesus. Are you aware of that? She was Boaz's mother. Dang. She got an upgrade. Joshua chapter 2. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Achaia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel uh, to search out, I almost lost my place, to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them, so she said, Yes, the men came here, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. <coughs> Excuse me. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. The testimony had gone out, had gone before them of who the people of God were, that God was with them and what was happening. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, this is a great declaration. Yeah? She's, she's gaining ground by the moment. Boom, 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 boom. She's coming right up. From a harlot and a non-Israelite, it's not a, good, not a good place to start from. But from that place, she begins to what? She begins to declare a testimony of who God is and who God's people is, and she's telling them who they are. She's now preaching. That's it. That's what it is. You start telling God stories. Tell of his greatness and his power. And you speak, and, you're, and she's like, and I want in. <laughs> now, before, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you, will, you also will show kindness to my father's house 
and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that, I, that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for your lives if none of you tell this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall and she said to them, get to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother and your brothers and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of the house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. And we will be guiltless, and whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they parted, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window, probably where that comes from, huh? They departed, went to the mountain, stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, crossed over, came to Joshua, to the son of Nun, told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. They came telling the story. The story came from, from Rahab. In Joshua 6. Now Jericho was secretly shut up because of the children of Israel. So these are the two elements of uh, this portion in uh, Hebrews 11 verses 30 and 31. Number one, the walls of Jericho. Number two, Rahab. So connected, but actually individual stories. Two very important stories. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, and all the men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. So after the event, we're like, wow, great story. Before the event, you're crazy, dude. You don't bring cities down with marching around them and shouting and blowing horns, right? Like, this is what faith is all about, the unseen. Hearing something, instruction from the Lord, hearing a promise from the Lord, 
making a choice to, number one, believe it, unseen, sight unseen. You're buying property, sight unseen. You're buying a new car, unseen. We, wouldn't, we don't do that. We're like, oh, no, no, you show me that thing. I want to make sure this got four wheels on it. I want to make sure that it's not swampland. I want to make sure the goods are good. You know, God gives a promise, and all he asks of us is that we believe. Well, not all. Then there also is almost always an action. And we're going to turn to James in a moment, because faith without works is dead or it never comes into fruitfulness. There's almost always an action required based on the promise. For this situation at Jericho, they had to go do this ridiculous thing, march the whole tribe around these walls and do it exactly according to the instructions and not believe they were going to get killed because the people of Jericho, they were in a fortified city. And city walls like this were great places to put archers and other, other weapons of attack and pick you off like birds, right? We've seen the movies. <laughs> not a real safe place to be. Walking around a fortress, stronghold, that's prepared for you to come. But in faith, they did that. In faith, Rahab believed so much that they were going to take the city. They believed, she believed what was going to happen, that she jumped fence, negotiated a deal. I mean, that's exactly right, right? That took faith. She wasn't sure. I mean, she wasn't certain. There was no guarantee. She played her hand. These men came to her. She put them up. She hid them. It's like, now listen, I did this. This is what I'm asking you. Do you understand how many promises then are made by diplomats and politicians and governing authorities and people that, have, that, that don't keep their promises? They'll make the deal. They'll make the promise, but they don't keep them. I believe it was very important very extremely important that these spies kept that promise. The keeping of that promise may have jeopardized the whole deal. And we've seen other stories in Israel, Israel where someone just stealing some things and stuff them in their tent caused battles to fail. It's not a good day when you're full of confidence that you're going to win a battle and you come back with your tail between your legs. And you come back, you go, what happened? What was that? We should have won that football game, you know? We should have won that contest. We should have beat that. What, what's wrong? And so they would search, and prophets would come forth and speak, and like, there's sin in the camp. There's something you violated in this promise. And you turned a blessing into a curse. So they kept the promise. It's very... Actually, an amazing, honorable story. It's a great story. But keeping your word, teach that to your children and your children's children. Teach them how important it is to keep your word. 
After all, they're always learning from you, not so much the things you think you're telling them. What they're learning is how you live your life as they observe it. How you deal with stress, how you deal with situations, how you deal with the opportunity to do something right or wrong. They're learning all the time from you, from your example. So you want to be demonstrating good behavior, faithful behavior, and when they see you believe the promises of the Lord and wait on them, trust me, they're watching. They see it all. They're living in the situation, so they're very keenly aware. When you stand in a situation and say, the Lord will provide. We're not sure where the next thing is coming from, the next meal, the next paycheck, the next whatever. But, but when you stand and make that statement, but the Lord will provide. He will keep us. He will make a way. He always has. So Israel went through all this. And um, and in verse 17, it declares this. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house because she hid the messengers <clears throat> that we sent. And so that all worked out. That all happened. And they, they brought them all out in verse 25. And Joshua spared Rahab and the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Now turn with me to uh, James chapter 2. And in verse 25, and again, Rahab's name shows up here as an example of faith without works is dead. And the same is true of the prostitute named Rahab who was found righteous in God's eyes by her works. For she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is also dead. Let's go back to the beginning of where this is talking about, um, about faith without works. Let me find uh, the beginning of that. I believe it's verse 14. Dear brothers and sisters, verse, this is verse 14 of chapter 2 in Jacob. What good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it or doesn't take action on those things they believe? It, in this passage, is like, that stinks. Don't be that person. There's always an act of walking out what you believe. And that is just as important as coming to the place where you believe. And you, you follow that, you make a, a decision to go on a journey. You make a decision believing, here's the promise, and I'm going to act on the promise. Uh, it's, it's actually very, very good for us. 
How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if, it, if a brother or sister is in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying goodbye, hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then faith doesn't involve action. Faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works, and I will show you faith by works as proof that I believe. So we know works in themselves, feeling like you deserve or earn something, the merit system, that doesn't work in Christianity. What we receive from the Lord, we always receive by grace. But but the action in the works is taking action after, after the promise comes and after the instruction comes, and then we choose to believe and we, begin, and we begin to walk. We take an action. And this is a beautiful passage for putting this together, these two together, these two together. You can believe all you want that there is one true God, that's wonderful, but even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, Yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. Oh, feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Can't you see how his, <clears throat> his action cooperated with his faith and by his action faith found its full expression so in this way the scripture was fulfilled because abraham believed god his faith was exchanged for god's righteousness so that's absolutely true we preach that out of out of romans 4 he was the father of faith but in the at the point after all of that that he has a son and the Lord asks of him to sacrifice that son, it took, it took faith. That was a very important moment. I don't know what would have happened if he would have failed that test, actually. It's so important that at those moments, we, it's possible we can disqualify the whole promise. That was really the instruction from the spies to Rahab. Don't, don't go back on this. Do exactly what we say. You must stay in your house. Your father, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your mother, your family, everybody that's to be protected, they must stay in this house. If they go out on the street, their blood's on, it's on you, it's not on us. It was important to obey. We don't like to obey. I think it's a very valid uh, message in our American culture. We... Uh, we like obedience uh, according to um, convenience. And when it's not convenient to obey and things go wrong, we're so quick to blame somebody, God, etc. We, we live in a whole culture that's blaming God. They're not true believers, but out, out of their mouth it comes. Look, God did this, right? And yet they've denied and despised all the promises and all the instruction that lead up to that, to lead up to what happens. And so we want to be careful to 
be obeying and we hear a promise, we feel a direction, we need to walk that out. Whether it's a fearful thing that we have to do, like most of the things I feel I'm supposed to do, there's some barrier, some demon of fear with his face there. Some sense of, boy, if this goes bad, I'm going to make a fool of myself, yeah? I mean, the funniest things can keep us from stepping out. You feel to make a phone call, you're like, ah, oh, that's stupid. Be careful. The Spirit may be leading you, and when you don't move on that simple thing, you go, well, this isn't profound. It's, it, this is not a big deal. You don't know how big of a deal it is. If you allow that little voice, and there is always a little demon somewhere saying, ah, stupid. Yeah? That's the, that's the, that's the American spirit. <laughs> that's stupid. Don't look stupid. Whatever happens, don't look dumb. Don't put yourself in a position where you, you could fail. One, one phone call, one, one movement, one kind gesture of kindness can, can make all the difference when you do it in faith. You perceive it, and it takes faith because it could go bad. One visit, one, like, boy, I see that stranger over there. I feel I should say something to them. No, I shouldn't. Probably, yes, you should. If it's out of kindness and you're not angry, take the chance. Sometimes the most powerful words are just words of encouragement. Just taking the time to tell someone, boy, you look nice today. Doing a good job with your children. I know they're a handful. Keep up the good work. It'll get better. They'll grow up. <laughs> So he became known as the lover of God. So now it's clear, speaking of Abraham, that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. It's kind of a tricky because we don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to, you know, fall into that thing. And the churches try to make great strides to get out of legalism and come into faith and right past, you know, Threw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing, you know? And, and we always need to keep this balance and come back. Like, it's important to take action. You believe something, take action. There's almost always an action associated with it. And the same is true, reading this again in verse 25, of the prostitute named Rahab who has found righteous in God's eyes by her works, for she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. That's, that's graphic, very strong language, actually. It's not okay. Faith without a life that reflects that faith is it's dead. You're kidding yourself. You don't have anything. You park your car in the church parking lot. It means nothing. You attended. It means nothing. It's the action. It's the walking that out. It's the believing. That's, that's what makes all the difference. I love this genealogy thing. Um, I had forgotten about this, and I looked at this, and I'm like, 
oh yeah, I think Rahab's in the genealogy. She's, she made the list, you know, in the beginning of Genesis, like <laughs> verifying who Jesus was. And, you know, genealogies are ridiculous, and we don't like to read through them when we're reading our, through our Bibles, et cetera, et cetera, till it came, comes time to prove and verify something. Then all of, all of a sudden, those genealogies are really important. Where someone came from. Are they who they said they are? Yeah, here, click, 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 click. And we find Rahab's name show up. And I, I did a little bit of researching to make sure this isn't just another Rahab. But all of the commentaries, they seem to agree. This was her. And it's in verse 5 going of Matthew 1. And it begins, the scroll of the lineage and birth of Jesus, the anointed one, the son of David, in verse 1. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and down, down it comes. And Judah, Tamar, Perez, Perez had so-and-so, and on and on. We get to verse 5. Who had a son named Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, comma, who, along with Rahab, had a son named Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth had a son named Obed. So, She's in, she's in this. Do you realize what it takes for a prostitute, a non-Israeli prostitute to get in this? Only God. And it was no surprise to him. If you can pause and really look at this, because are we not, you do it to yourself. You evaluate what you're worthy of, what you're not worthy of. I haven't done enough of this. I haven't done enough of that. I failed here. I failed there. Always evaluating. Uh, that last song, the new song that we, that we did today. It's, it's, it's about that fighting, that thing, that condemnation, that spirit, that, that voice that's always there. That no matter what I do, it's not enough. You're living in the wrong realm if, those, if that's rolling in your, in your mind and your heart. And every mother raising young children has to fight off that demon. I'm making a mess out of my kids, you know? Every leader, when they look back at what it's like, oh, man, I'm not doing well here. Every person with responsibility gets to a point where they question and, 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 and you go back through your life. And what have you done with your life and the decisions you've made? You have those moments like, aren't they tormenting? Go, ah, oh, I failed here, I failed there. I made a mistake here, I was anxious here, I did that, da, 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 da. Like, man, I'm a hot mess. I mean, if you just let yourself go down that road, we can all kind of just like collapse. It's very unfruitful. I recommend highly sticking with the promises of the Lord and what he's saying about you right now. Look in his eyes and get your identity from there. Define your life by what the Lord's saying about you. Don't define it about your own, with your own evaluation. Rahab ends up in this place. If God can, so let's just go here. If God can take a non-Israeli prostitute and put her in the genealogy of Jesus, then We 
We could even have a president that has bad language sometimes. Had to stick that in. But you know how many Christian leaders, it actually bugs the living daylights out of me. So many church leaders, oh, he's this, he's that, he's like whatever. It's like he has brought our country under more blessings of God. I was, my, uh, my chiropractor, we we're having this uh, great conversation. He's a patriot too, so, you know, as he's putting pain, pain on me, uh, we have some good talks. And the more we get to know each other, the more we talk about things, you know, and he says, he's like, did you hear his inauguration address? I said, oh yeah, I preached out of it. There were several like point one, point two, point three, where he put our nation back under God's blessing. We, I don't know of a president that's done that. Like, uh, it's amazing. How did, and people criticize who he was and what his history is, like, yeah, yeah, I know. But look at the transformed man. In a, in a real way, not in a religious way, he's giving credit to God right and left in different, in different realms. And yes, he's still a character. But I'm telling you, the father looks down and it's like, I like that guy. He's got guts. I mean, do you think David was this really, you know, sitting around singing psalms all the time? As he sw I mean, he killed a lot of people. He was a warrior. Have you been around warriors lately? Like the rough guys. They might have even offended you. There, we, we have this like, here's what it's supposed to look like. I don't think Jesus would be that socially accepted right now if he walked into the room and into the world, into America. That's the truth. So we've got to get out of that thing and understand this God that's able to offend me religiously like I'm trying to be a Christian and God, I'm like, what? You did what? How could you do that? I thought like we couldn't do that. Like I thought that wouldn't work. How can you use that? It's like if he could do this with Rahab, do you understand? There's hope for you. You also can be made and molded and transformed and get a second start and chance and third and fourth and fifth and more. If he can do that, he can do anything. And, and if even Rahab was an example of faith with works, she not only believed that his you know, she could have believed that Israel was going to destroy Jericho. She could have believed that with all of her heart. It was the action she took that saved her life. That faith, believing that without the action, would have not, not spared her life. Do you understand that? It was the action she took on what she believed. Nobody else, the whole city was like, Oh man, here comes Israel. They're, they're coming. They're huge. They're massive. And they're destroying. God is with them. And they are wreaking havoc in the countryside. The Red Sea parted for them. How do you stand up against that? 
They also believed. The demon, it was right there in James. The demons believe, but they're still demons. There's no transformation. There's no change. Why? Because there's, there's no, they just used as an example. Faith without work. Faith requires action. It requires movement. Abraham walked with God. He walked. God said, go to another city and land. That wasn't like us, just get a passport, get a plane ticket, and go somewhere else. And It was a big deal to leave your country, to leave your family. But he did it. He obeyed. Abram obeyed. Everything that he did really made a big difference for all of us. So he followed, and he found God in this other land, this other place. Visited a covenant made between them. Why? Because he was moving. He was rolling. And in that, God gives him promises that were like, says, your, your descendants are going to be like this, as many as the sand on the seashore. As many as the sea, the stars in the sky. Uncountable. If you need a, an awe, awe awakening, the next time we have a clear sky, go out and just at night and just try to count a couple of stars. First, there's the ones you kind of that are bright, and then there's the other ones, and then there's the ones behind that, and then you, you realize. <whistles> I still am impressed by the awesomeness of seeing the moon, seeing it half lit, morning, day, night, doesn't matter, and perceiving that I'm seeing it and there's a sun somewhere beyond where I can see that's reflecting and I'm I just like imagining that, like perceiving it, not imagining, perceiving where, where the sun is that it's making it look just like that. It's a, It's a wonder just looking up. You understand there's a God. There's a God who calls us. There's a God who perceives. And faith requires action. So you hear, you believe, and then take the appropriate action. And that will manifest the faith. That manifests the faith. Get on your way, and God will provide all the things that he said he'd provide. This is a, a very important element of faith. It's not about getting your psyche up. It's easy to fall into this. I believe, I believe, I believe. Squint your eyes really hard, you know, or how you pray for people. It, it's... The power is in the action. You believe you're to minister to someone, step across the room. And even, even the big shots in the ministry, they often don't know what they're gonna, what's going to happen when they get over there. And that was, Phyllis shared that video with, by Heidi Baker. <laughs> it is phenomenal. She stands and, you know, all, all the books she's written and all the things she's done, and, and she stands in front of an audience and it feels empty. Just like, God, we should close this meeting down. There's nothing happening. I don't feel anything. And weren't you not listening going, oh, my God. Like, I would hope nobody else experienced that. 
being in a position where I don't know what I'm doing here, you know. And then here are these very accomplished people in the ministry, genuinely, rightly so. And they, they're walking by faith. The just walk by, we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we walk by the unseen, or we walk into the unseen. We walk towards the unseen. The unseen, we're real familiar with it. What are you doing? I perceive this, but I can't prove it to you. How's that going to work out? I don't know. I can't tell you on this side of it. I, I feel it's what I'm supposed to do. We'll see. I'll pay for the ticket. It'll either prosper or, you know, because it's, it's out of my hands, but it's what I believe, and so I'm going to take an action. And only you know what that action is. I'll add that. Only you know. I don't know that for you, but you know. So in the simplest way, as you perceive things, be, I exhort you, be conscious of those premonitions, those feelings, those drawings. You want to get your adventure up? Start, just obey it. Just walk, just, just do. Just do. As silly as it feels. And, and things will start happening, clicking. And you'll be amazed what starts to transpire. This is how we live. When it gets questioned, go, oh yeah, well that's, of course you don't understand. That's, this is how we roll. This is what we're called to. We're called to believe things that we can't prove. We're, we're called to pursue things that we're not, we can't guarantee the outcome. We need to be totally okay with that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what we do. We're not foolish in it. We pray. We wait on the Lord. We get confirmations. But at some point, you know what you know, right? You know. And don't ignore the little things, the little inclinations. I, I'm, I've been so blessed by people following the silliest little inclinations. I remember one morning, I mean, I don't know how many of you know Corwin Koppelman. Quiet, very artistic, da -da, you know. And um, years ago, and I've never heard him sing till he called me one morning, early in the morning, said, I'm supposed to sing this song to you. Do you realize the courage it would take to call anybody, you know? And like, especially us Americans, we're kind of a little bashful about that. Like if we don't sound like opera singers, we're like, oh, I've got a bad voice, which is silly, but anyways, that's how we think. We live in this perfect, glamorous world. We start thinking, we should look like that, sound like that, act like that all the time. Yeah. And he calls and he starts, and he, I went, okay. I mean, it was early in the morning. And he starts singing this song. And it, was, it had a message in it. These words, these simple words that just pierced my heart. I'm like, oh my gosh. He goes, well, that's all. That's it. See ya. He gets off the phone. I'm like, oh my gosh that was amazing and that would have been so hard to do be brave 
And I definitely reassured him that was so, you have no idea how powerful what that touched in me. Take risks. Take the chance to follow the Spirit. He, he wants to, he's even sending you answers right now. Just open up your heart to hear what he's saying, to perceive what he's saying. Stop analyzing and think it has to look and sound a certain way. Just receive. Get simple. Get childlike again. Huh? Rahab made it in the book. Amazing. Amazing. You can't start from too much lower than what she did. She made it. She's going to be in heaven. She's got her name in the book. She's in the gene genealogies of Jesus. Like, jeez, <laughs> wow. Now, is God bigger than legalism? I think, I think so. Bigger than structure? I think so. Is he sovereign? Mm-hmm. I've come to the conclusion. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. As we pursue to increase faith, we ask for your blessing. A grace to do that. A grace to engage again if we've, if we've withdrawn. A grace to be willing to take risks. What do we have to lose? I believe risk-taking and then finding out that God's in it and at the end of it will break depression. It will definitely break boredom. It'll break, break that sense of unfruitfulness. Determine in your heart. Father, give us grace to determine to follow you wherever you lead us, no matter how simple or foolish it, it may seem. Be willing to act upon what you share and perceive. Give us in our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.